COVID-19 has brought about so many new challenges for us, from slowing down to cramming in parenting around work and having so many conflicting priorities. And all of this in a time when we are at a heightened level of stress and our relationships are being pulled in new and uncharted ways. On today's podcast, I am so excited for you to take a listen to understand a little bit more about what's happening with your emotions and how to help yourself and the rest of your family through this tumultuous time. Zippy is such a breath of fresh air with some really great thoughts and resources and I know when I listened back to it, it really made me feel validated for all of the different things that I'm feeling and I'm going through and I know it will be the same for you. So please take a listen. Uh, We start off talking about what's going on for you as an individual, and then later on in the episode, we move into how to support the other people in your family on this journey. So please take a listen and enjoy. sharing their stories, ideas, and experts diving deep into how you can make the right decisions in order to have a meaningful gap year. This is the place to be no matter where you are on your gap year journey. I'm Michelle Dittmer, your resident gap year expert. Let's jump right in. to the Gap Year Podcast. Today with me, I have Zipporah Dorian, or Zippy as I like to call her, and she is a registered counseling therapist candidate based out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I have her on the podcast today to talk about what we're all going through here as part of COVID-19 with the social distancing and feelings of productivity and feelings of hopelessness, feelings of creating new relationships relationships in new ways. And I could think of nobody better to be with me here today than Zippy. So welcome to the podcast, Zips. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background, technical and non-technical, and uh, so people get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, sure. Um, So first of all, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be part of this whole process, this whole new world that we're kind of <laughs> being a part of right now. Um, so yes, you're right. My, my background, I'm a registered counseling therapist candidate here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And so I do uh, therapy with folks with anxiety, depression, trauma, and various other um, challenges and strengths. Uh, so here I do creative arts therapy in EMDR, which is a reprocessing uh, type of therapy. So that's what I'm doing presently. And in the past, uh, I was an elementary school teacher and traveled all over the world to living and working in different places. And when I lived abroad, I actually started to realize how connected we are um, in different places in the world and, and even in our own backyards. And that's kind of what motivated me oddly enough, to come back to Canada and work with my neighbors and and folks uh, who are near and dear to me. And so that's kind of what motivated me to come and start working in mental health. And uh, since I left Canada and came back, um, there's been a big shift. Like we have different types of uh, uh, 
campaigns in this type of thing now where we talk a lot about mental health. Um, we've got Bell Talks, we've got all these different things. Um, so I'm really happy that when I came back to Canada, we are actually focusing on mental health a lot more. Um, so I'm really excited that uh, during this COVID-19 that there really seems to have been a big focus and a big push on what is mental health during this time. So I'm excited that I've kind of come full circle, come back to Canada um, and can come in and work with folks here and see what we can do uh, to help support each other. I think that's such a beautiful mission and story and it connects so well to not only the, the idea of a gap year where you, you get out and you explore and you find mm -hmm. what you're passionate about and you, you follow your heart and you follow the things that you learn and, mm -hmm. uh, and then returning back home to, to live out your, your mission and what you've learned elsewhere, I think is, is such a powerful thing. And also you mentioned the word um, trauma and that can be mm -hmm. kind of a, a scary big word, mm -hmm. but but we're kind of all experiencing trauma in this new normal. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a great statement. And I think you're, you're correct. And I'm glad that you brought that up, this idea of uh, what is trauma. I think that sometimes we have uh, an idea. This word is quite scary to us. We think, you know, trauma is a big car accident or trauma is some type of physical violence. Um, but trauma is actually just this idea of anything that happens to us that kind of overwhelms our coping mechanisms um, and things that we don't have control over in our lives. That could be car accidents, that could be big surgeries, that could be violence. Um, but we're kind of all in this collective trauma right now together because we have no control over COVID-19. We don't know what's going to happen next. And uh, despite our best efforts, um, we can't actually manipulate the situation or run away from the situation in any particular form. So you're correct. And we are all kind of in this collective trauma together um, and how we manage ourselves throughout this process will kind of uh, de to be determined whether we will come out um, as resilient and okay, or if, if we might be traumatized um, by this uh, certain moment. I think it's interesting that we're all going through this together and there's an interplay between how we individually work through this and how we work through this as a collective and, and with mm -hmm. our communities. Um, so I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to the impact that our community is having on our individual mental health through this COVID-19 experience. Yeah, I think that's a fabulous question their collective collective healing collective support is is such a huge thing and it's actually one of the resources that we look at to see you know when i'm working with clients do they have a supportive community uh within which they live or who within who they can communicate and connect with um and yeah we we notice online there's all these virtual ways that folks are reaching out to each other um in new different creative ways we 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 seek connection, we need connection in order to feel like, uh, have, to have a sense of grounding of, I won't get swept away in this, I you know, can manage this, I can, I have a support team, I'm not alone. So I think this idea of feeling not alone is so vital in this time. And Sometimes I don't, I'm speaking a little bit from my personal experience here when I, when I bring this up, um, I, I have an incredibly supportive community, but I also find that I'm negatively impacted by my community at the same time. Like I feel there's a little bit of comparison going on. Mm -hmm. 
is that a common thing that people experience? Yes, myself included in that. <laughs> I think we're all going through this whole thing of, am I doing it right? Um, you know, we're, as we're going through this process, and no one's ever done this before. There's no template for how do we work through a pandemic? You know, there's no one in previous memory who can say, oh, this is how it's done. Here's how we do it. Uh, so I think that everyone is kind of trying to figure out, is this the right way that I do it? Am, am I doing it correctly? Am I, am I growing myself and my business in the quote unquote correct way in order to be the most productive? So I think it's so natural to have these mixed up feelings at the same time, feel simultaneously inspired and motivated and connected. And then also have this other part that goes, am I doing it right? Yeah, and there, and there is no right. Uh, mm -hmm. If we look back to some of the other kind of mass pandemics, this all happened mm -hmm. before we were connected on social media. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you didn't even know what your neighbor was doing and you didn't right. know what people halfway around the world were experiencing with the same virus. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're in uncharted territory and being, not having answers is really hard. Um, yeah. it's, and, and even our leadership, the people that we look to for stability in these times, they don't have answers either. So we're all kind of floundering together and that doesn't feel great. Yeah, exactly. We, whenever there is this type of situation, we, the little kid selves in our, within us kind of look and go, okay, where's the big adult who's in charge here? Who knows what to do? Um, and it can be really unsettling when that big, strong adult in charge says, here's what we're doing. Here's what we think we should do. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, that's not that feeling of certainty that we like to have as humans. Um, so it, it makes sense that a lot of folks are feeling quite unsettled during this time and have lots of emotions going up and down because, you know, there's moments where we're feeling great and like, yeah, I'm on top of the world. I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. And then the next moment we could feel like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? I, I, I'm stuck. So it's it, these, these moods that can shift up and down quickly is, is a very normal, natural thing. Okay, good. I feel better now because yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like I'm you're, on a little bit of broken. a roller coaster. All right. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. 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 And I think that's a real important thing for listeners out there to hear is that wherever you are is completely okay on this spectrum and it can change day by day. It can change minute by minute. Yes. Um, as we're experiencing new things, we get different external stimulus. Mm -hmm. We start relating what's going on to us in different ways by making different connections in our own brains. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, but how do we take all of this emotion, the positive and the negative, and how do we help ourselves to be more mentally and emotionally stable? And how do we build that resiliency in this really curious time? Yeah. Um, I think that right now, um, everyone's kind of looking for the silver bullet of how to, to be okay. Um, and I, so there's lots of like really lovely advice out there and really lovely strategies out there. Um, but I think that the important thing to really keep in mind is this idea of there is no right or wrong way to do it. There is no strategy that is going to magically make everyone feel okay all the time. So I think kind of demystifying that and saying the feelings are going to come up whether or not we want it to, mm -hmm. no matter what strategies we have. And just kind of this 
knowing that it is okay, whatever big emotions come up is a really important thing. Um, and to notice those emotions and those feelings um, is, is a very vital thing to feel like we are connected to ourselves and we're connected to the people um, around us. So I do so know when that- we, When we feel these emotions, mm. what do we do? Because sometimes people, and when I say people, I mean me, I just feel <laughs> overwhelmed. Yes. With something. Um, mm. and, and how do we actually name those emotions? Is it putting it down on paper? Is it talking it out? What are the, what are the pieces in there that, that we can actually name those emotions so we can start to recognize them and feel better about having them? Yeah, I think naming and taming is a really powerful thing to do. Um, and it depends on each person what they find is helpful to them. So I recommend that people kind of try different strategies that work for them. Um, I personally like to write things down and I tend to write music about those types of things. Um, but it, it depends on each individual person finding out what is it that feels good to kind of express those feelings. Um, what we do in, in therapy land, what we tend to um, do is, is kind of create an image for people of this idea of we've got a shoreline, we've got the water, which is the emotions, and we've got the dock that kind of connects the shoreline to the water. Um, and it's really easy in this time of the pandemic and this time where we're all grieving these, these things that we can't do um, in this time and perhaps can't do in the future. It's really easy to get swept away in those emotions that are, that are the, this water. Um, and folks tend to uh, want to run up on the shoreline and not feel the feelings. They just want to feel okay. Um, but the reality is if we run up on the shoreline, we're, we can get stuck there and feelings of stuckness can also be present. So we're wanting to find a way to sit on that dock and have our toes dangling in the emotions um, and being okay with them, but also realizing that these emotions won't last forever. So in order to be able to do that, we have to acknowledge those emotions, whether it's acknowledging it just to ourselves, if we're self-isolating alone, um, or if it's acknowledging it with other people. So some folks really like to have Zoom chats as we are currently doing now. And to chat with people and say, this is my experience that I'm having right now. I'm feeling a lot of anger. And a lot of the times the feelings that are coming up don't quote unquote make sense. What are we angry at? I don't know, everything. And anger is a really common feeling to feel when we are feeling stuck. And our brains naturally wanna say, well, what's the reason? for us feeling angry. And so we can pin it on the closest thing to us, whether it's a person, whether it's an event, but part of grief and part of handling trauma is just anger is gonna come up, sadness is gonna come up. So finding a way to name those emotions and say, I'm angry right now, or I'm really sad right now, sometimes can help us tame those feelings rather than wanting to run up onto the shoreline and be away from it and distract ourselves from those feelings. Sometimes having moments to just turtle and make ourselves, uh, you know, make ourselves a little tent in our living room and just feel sad for however long we decide we need to feel sad for. I think that's such a beautiful thing to, to name them and to, to, to be able to articulate, oh, I feel sad and oh, I feel angry and not necessarily completely understanding why you feel those things. Because sometimes mm -hmm. it, you, can, you can be trying to latch on to something, like you said, and all of a sudden this, this anger that you're feeling, you associate with 
another person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing a lot of stories in my communities of parents of teenagers being like, my kid is so angry and they just keep yelling at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the parents feel like they're doing something wrong or, uh, but it's, it's an outlet for, for feeling those feelings. And, and that can be really frustrating from both sides, from the person feeling it and not understanding yes. why they're feeling it, but yeah. also on the other side, being the recipient of that. And so recognizing as the recipient of the yeah. of the misdirected <laughs> anger, where that's coming from, and yeah. and also as the angry person, um, recognizing maybe how you can just name it and just be angry and not necessarily yeah. have to attribute it to something. Yeah, yeah, I think that's challenging because we as humans we want to categorize and have a reason for everything, but especially in this situation, like there is no reason necessarily. You know, yeah. so so being okay with the fact that. Me, some days I'm just going to be really angry. Okay, great. How yeah. annoying is that? You know, it's a very irritating thing to just feel these emotions, but that's part of this, this grief process. I like to liken it to grief when we think about, like when we lose someone really important to us or something happens, it's out of our control. Uh, we often will give passes for folks who are grieving around us and say, well, you know, their misdirected anger is because they're grieving that person or they're grieving that thing. Um, and I think we also need to be aware of that presently as well within ourselves and within the people around us is we're all grieving. We're all doing this together. Um, so yeah, trying to not take people's emotions personally is a challenge that I'm still working on myself, <laughs> but is an important one to keep working with. And I think especially as we're seeking human connection mm-hmm. and, and we're met with these emotions and we want to be connected. And so we do take those things even maybe a little bit more personally than we would normally because we're hungry for that connection. And when we're being rejected because of the emotions that we're all feeling, that hurts mm-hmm. on, a, on a deeper level sometimes. Sure. So I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So we talked about grief and we talked about, mm-hmm. or, or sorry, we talked about anger and we talked about sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other emotions that, that are quite common when we're, when we're grieving or when we're in this situation? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of the, the full spectrum, right? Where we have, well, also sometimes it'll be even at the same time where we feel this simultaneous grief, but also gratitude. I'm noticing a lot of, um, posts of people talking about the immense gratitude that they're feeling in different moments. Um, And I think that's a really important one to also lean into and notice, wow, I'm really grateful for the sunbeam that's coming down and I can sit and drink my coffee in the sunshine. That's a really beautiful um, thing to notice. And I'm really grateful that I have electricity and that I can reach out to people. Um, The the thing where sometimes that can fall into um, a dangerous pattern is when, when we feel like we're only allowed to have one or the other. Um, so we think, oh, if I'm angry, then I, I can't be grateful at the same time. Um, or if, if I'm meant to feel grateful, um, how ungrateful is it of me to be angry in this situation? Um, you know, it's true, I can't do this and this, but I, I have this, I have this, I shouldn't be angry. People have it much worse than me. Um, so I think that we really need to be careful about getting into this comparison competition of who has it worse and who has the right to feel the feelings that they do, um, because what a terrible competition to win. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Nobody, nobody wins in that situation. What do I get when I win? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Just more right? feelings, more feelings. Yeah. So I think that sometimes, uh, especially in our North American culture, we do fall into this, uh, what I call like toxic positivity sometimes where we almost, we run up on that shoreline and say, I'm only going to feel these feelings, these cherry picked feelings of positivity. Um, because then we're missing out on those other feelings that are actually really connecting feelings. Sometimes anger and sadness and grief can be really connecting within a community because we are all grieving together. Um, so that can actually be a really connecting thing um, to be with our sadness and be with our anger together. Um, so we need to make sure that we try not to just pick our favorite emotions to feel and just avoid the other ones. <laughs> That's a great coping mechanism, but Isn't uh, it? but it but it doesn't serve you in the long run because it's all at that point you're just acting and acting mm. is exhausting. Uh, it takes tiring. it takes a lot of emotional and mental and physical energy to pretend yeah. to be something you're not. Um, yeah. And and when energy levels are low already, mm. um, that can, that can be even more depleting. Yes. Now, we've talked about this idea of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might not recognize that they, that they are feeling a sense of loss or a sense mm-hmm. of grief. Um, so I was wondering if you could articulate some of the things that people might have lost in this situation mm-hmm. um, because they didn't lose a physical, most people haven't lost a physical person to Corona yet. Um, but what are some of those things that, that they might not realize that they're actually grieving? Yeah. Even just this concept of being, having agency to do what I want from day to day. That is, that is a loss that we, we can't have. I can't go down to the cafe and chat to my local barista the way that I like to. Um, I can't just go to the beach the way when I want to. I can't just, you know, I think a lot of the time it is just this idea of free, the freedom to choose and live my daily life. Um, I can't do that right now. And the fact that I don't know when this is going to end, I think that can bring up a lot of these feelings of, um, of yeah, feeling, feeling stuck, feeling grief because I can't do those things and I don't know when I'll be able to do those things again or if it will look the same. So those are losses and it can also be losses. I'm thinking of those folks that are, um, you know, perhaps wanting to do summer jobs or going to travel and those kinds of things. And true, those are luxuries. And I hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, well, first world problems and kind of, you know, discounting people's feelings of sadness and loss about that. Um, But those are real feelings too. If you were really looking forward to something, travel, a job, what have you, that is a feeling of loss when you know you can't do that. I think that's really important for people to hear um, because then this other weird feeling comes in, this feeling of guilt. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm guilty that I'm feeling bad about losing out on that trip or losing out on that summer job or Mm -hmm. losing out on this particular opportunity I was looking forward to. Um, Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't feel bad about that because that's, that's a luxury. That's, that's something that not everybody gets every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but you, you have lost something and that is Mm -hmm. real and that is hard Mm -hmm. and you have every right to have those emotions and throwing Mm -hmm. guilt into the mix just complicates things uh, because you now have another emotion that's weighing on you and and making you feel uh, badly about the emotions that you are feeling. 
Yeah. We judge ourselves constantly. I mean, it's the human condition. We do it. That's, that's what keeps society kind of rolling is that we make sure that we keep ourselves in check. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's important to no even just notice, oh, I'm judging myself and I'm feeling guilty. Oh, there, I'm doing that thing again. Um, because sometimes we can have this weird process of going, oh, I feel this. I'm feeling guilty. Oh, no, I shouldn't be feeling guilty. And then we judge the feeling guilty. <laughs> so it's just like the cycle of judging our feelings. So I encourage people um, to just notice their feelings and go, oh, well, that's coming up. Okay, here that is. What does that feel like? And a lot of the time it can come up as a really physical experience as well. Um, fatigue that we're going to be feeling that a lot. That can be that sadness, um, stomach pains that can come up a lot for people, um, joint pain, muscle pain. A lot of the time, the feelings, um, if our bodies think we can't handle that emotion because we don't generally go there, it can manifest itself in, in physical ways as well. So just being gentle with ourselves and noticing what does our body actually need right now, rather than judging what should it need? Um, well, it doesn't really matter what it should need, what does it need? Yeah, I think that's so great. And I, and I think there's, um, it, in some of my circles with, with parents of teens, they're really concerned because their, their, their teenager is just in bed all day long. Um, and, and that can be really hard as a parent to witness. And we know that that body, that physical body needs nutrition and exercise and stimulation. Um, but that, that young person is, is choosing to, to cope by isolating and cocooning. Um, so in situations like that, um, what, what is your advice or insight as to what might be happening? Yeah, I mean, again, we, we all deal with things differently. Um, and I do like to remind parents that the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until we're into our mid-20s. So although that person that lived with you looks and sometimes behaves like an adult person, they don't fully have their prefrontal cortex, which is the decision-making, which is the complex um, problem-solving and that kind of thing. So I like to just first normalize that with parents. Um, huge, you know, huge, 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 huge. Everybody yeah. needs to hear that. <laughs> Uh, especially because we we kind of think that once they turn 17 18 like a switch should go off and they should behave yes. like a grown up and have all of the all of the life experience that you yes. have as a as a parent and and mm -hmm. that's not the case and it's not yes their fault. It's biologically, their brain hasn't fully developed and all of those synapses haven't formed and they are naturally going to be risk seekers and they yes. are, they are hardwired um, to not be able to make the same decisions that, uh, that a fully grown person yeah does. And so, so teenagers, mm -hmm. uh, this isn't an excuse to make poor decisions, no. um, but it, but it is an opportunity for parents to, to check themselves when they, when they do feel yeah. that frustration for sure. Yeah. And I think it's so, it's so challenging parents. I, I have so much empathy um, and respect for, for what parents are doing uh, just in general. And then especially in this time where they're being asked to be homeschool teachers now, and they're asking to be, you know, full-time workers from home as well. And, 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 you know, it's the, the list is ongoing. Um, but even just to have a moment to recognize that the way that your teenager is behaving is, is not about you. Um, even if it feels very pointed towards you, as often anger can be pointed towards somewhere because we want to point it at something, um, to recognize that this, this, 
person is handling something as best they can. It might really stink and it might not be the way that I wish that they would handle it. Um, but it is not about me, even if it feels directed at me and like, can I take a step back um, and, and to not take this personally in order to make sure that I don't lash out. Yeah. And I think that's a really hard thing as the adult in a situation is that the, the relationship is your responsibility as the adult because you have those things. So when that negativity or that anger comes directed at you, you have to pull on your life experience. You have mm -hmm. to pull on your resources to be able to uh, absorb that um, as much as you can and, and process that in another way so that you can be there to support that young person. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I hesitate to use this word absorb. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone should absorb anything from others um, in, in, you know, in these kind of things. Um, but you know, there's this image that, that I had this lovely professor gave to us where they said, you know, sometimes you'll have this charging, raging bull, and it's our job to just pet the, the bull as it runs past us. Um, mm. And so that's kind of like what I feel like teenagers can be, and we adults can be as well. We're these just raging bulls. And uh, rather than trying to absorb the energy of that raging bull and try and fix that, that raging bull, giving it a little pat as it goes past and let that kind of go um, because that that person's energy doesn't belong to us. That person's emotions don't belong to us. I can't fix that person's emotions. I can't change that person's emotions try as I might, though I wish that I could. How can I take care of myself as well in this situation? So if I have a teenager who I recognize is having a really hard time, how can I also demonstrate to this person how I am taking care of myself and how I can be okay with myself in this time? So I really encourage parents, whether you have big kids, little kids, fully grown kids, or you're just on your own, um, how can you take care of yourself um, to be okay so that you can be present um, for sometimes these raging bulls. I love that analogy. And that's why you have years of education in this field and I do not. Because <laughs> you can explain it so much better than I can. Uh, so I think, I think that's a really great segue into what are some activities that families can do together or teenagers can do that will help them work through this process? Is there anything, mm -hmm. any, any concrete tools or activities that, that you could share with the audience? Yeah, well, this is the thing with, um, I like to, rather than saying certain activities, because uh, number one, especially if you're working with people who are a bit angry or they're uh, a bit defiant, uh, the second that you suggest something, uh, I mean, you're a parent, uh, what usually happens? <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of a, a recoil or a recourse that comes exactly. from, from the other side, yeah. Bit of pushback, a lot of pushback, who knows? Um, so the thing that I kind of like to, to tell folks and let folks know is that anything that gives you feelings of capability are beautiful things that you want to follow through on. Whether anything that's creative, amazing. Anything where you can use your hands, amazing. Anything where you can learn something new and make yourself feel capable is a beautifully powerful thing. And that is where resilience is kind of based in, is this idea of I am capable, this is hard, but I am a capable person. So I know that a lot of folks are just following through on hobbies that they've never really had time to, to do. So whether that's knitting, whether that's fixing a car, 
whether that's learning a new language and getting Duolingo, whether that's, I don't know, just getting inspired by, you know, YouTubers and this kind of thing to go, what can I start to do to create something new um, or create feelings of okayness in myself? So creativity and feelings of, of be able, being able to um, create something on your own or by your own volition or learn something. Is, is something that's huge and can build these feelings of motivation, inspiration, and okayness. Um, so that could even be, you know, if, you know, if you're going to go out and tinker with the car, maybe your teenager would be interested in learning about what that is. Or, you know, these things, moments of connection are really powerful. And then moments of creativity, the two C's are kind of like really important. I love it. I think that it's so interesting that you talk about uh, being able to create things because that's a, that's a feeling of power. Yes. And this feeling for me, I, I often feel powerless in this mm. situation. Um, and so when I get to create for my business, when I get to record podcasts, I feel like I'm regaining a sense of that power and that I have purpose and that I am using my skills and talents and my curiosity to to create something to build something and that that feels really really good for me so i can imagine how that might go over um with it with a young person um mm -hmm. in in this situation definitely and and so kind of my recommendation to parents is like whatever you see your person your kid your significant other because our adult people are going to be struggling too. Let's just normalize that. You know, your partner, your husband, your wife, your whomever, they're struggling too in their own way. Um, and so if you notice a spark of creativity in them, help them run after that. Whether it's, I really want to try this new recipe. Great, let's try that new recipe. I really want, I wish that I could learn guitar and now maybe I have time to endure the crappy guitar that you're going to be hearing <laughs> in the beginning um, because them slowly learning um, is, is going to be a really beautiful um, experience for them to feel okay. So as I was mentioning before, trauma um, often occurs in being traumatized. So there's the, this difference. Everyone in, can endure a trauma. Some people will come out traumatized and some people will not. So traumatized will be like, the, you know, you, have, you can have uh, really challenging feelings that continue on and on even after the trauma is over. Um, in order to make sure that we don't become traumatized, we have to have some feelings of agency, some feelings of I have some bit of control, even if that bit of control is I'm learning how to play guitar today. But I can control that. I can control what I'm going to eat for breakfast. I can control, you know, these little things. So finding moments of creativity and control can feel really good for helping building feelings of I am not stuck. I am not trapped. I have control over this much, you know, a little sliver. I can control that. And I think one thing that, that popped into my head is you're, you're talking about trying new recipes. Um, that's why there's no flour in the stores. I'm not sure if it's the same in Halifax, but also there's no yeast. No yeah. yeast in any of the stores. So people are a bread maker. I love it. Yeah. And I think that that is part of that, that eight, that personal agency that people are mm -hmm. looking for. Um, they're looking to revert back to, um, experimenting and providing for their families and yeah. creating new things and, and testing yeah. out and trying new things. And um, I bet you every oven in every household is, <laughs> has got something brewing uh, almost on a daily basis because yeah. 
that's a really rewarding way to create because you can create and then share with your community. Yeah, yeah that's been uh... I know that in, in my household with the, my two housemates, we've been doing that every day we cook together. Uh, and every day we dance at 10 a.m. on our balcony together uh, for two songs and it's just delightful. Um, so that actually kind of segues into how to, how to feel in a little bit of control um, in our days can be uh, something as simple as creating a loose structure. Now, I, I really reiterate this idea of a loose structure um, because as soon as we get into this idea of a rigid structure um, there's actually anxiety built into that so if I say I have to eat every day at 12 and then today at 12 I'm not hungry well just push it until one you know you don't need to do that today that's fine um, but creating a, a schedule for ourselves so a, a usual time that I get up at usually I get up around 8 30 okay great so every day I kind of know what to expect and that I've created that schedule I know that I've created one thing every day that's got movement that's going to make me feel good, whether it's for a walk around the block or a dance on my balcony or whatever it happens to be. Creating my own schedule for myself um, can actually be a really uh, power empowering experience. Yeah, I, I love that. And I understand that very much. Um, mm. That that ability to predict something um, in a time when it's so unpredictable, I take okay. a lot of, um, uh, it, it calms me down to know that, that this is going to be happening at mm -hmm. this approximate time. And, and, yeah. um, and I feel good when that happens. So I can understand how that's a great tool to, to be able to yeah. use, but mm -hmm. to, to avoid the, or to, to build in flexibility um, yes. into that because we, we don't want to disappoint ourselves if we're not meeting our, our rigid yes. schedule for sure. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's actually what a lot of folks are really reflecting on now is how full previous to this, how full our schedules really were, where some folks, myself included, you know, we scheduled our days almost by the hour and we just had to go next, 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 go, 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 because we had this idea of productivity is the name of the game. Um, and then a lot of folks now are in this, you know, we're in our third week of, of social distancing or physical distancing um, and we're still tired. And it's because we've, we, we move at such a rapid speed all the time in the name of productivity um, that perhaps we're actually avoiding our feelings, perhaps we're actually avoiding this natural rise and fall of of our own bodies who are saying this is how fast we can go it's how fast is humanly possible to go <laughs> um and that maybe previously we we're actually working at quite an unsustainable pace um you know this can be a, re a really positive reflectful time for people to be able to kind of wonder maybe this slower speed is actually a healthier speed for us mm -hmm. but it does take some adjusting um, and, and I think that that's where a lot of people are, are struggling is, mm -hmm. is that they, they don't feel as quote unquote productive, mm -hmm. um, because we're, we're measuring ourselves against a yardstick that maybe was an, an inaccurate yardstick right. of, of what, what we should be measuring against. And yeah. I, I love that people are, are connecting in with that and, and, um, just reevaluating whenever we're going to be transitioning back to what, or I shouldn't say back to into whatever the next yeah. 
reality is for us? What are the things that we're going to take with us? What are the learnings and what are the uh, behaviors and the routines and the the values? Mm -hmm. What are we going to carry forward with us as as our world continues to evolve and change into its next iteration? Because I can almost guarantee it will not go back to the way that it was. Right. Well, I mean, uh, we're, we're kind of noticing that that was unsustainable, hence the reason why we're here right now, <laughs> right? So what is that going to look like? I don't know. So it's a, a curious, I have moments where I'm like really hopeful and like, yeah, this is beautiful. It's going to really shift in a positive way. And then I have moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want it to be exactly as it was, you know? So we, there's those combating feelings within me as well. So if we could take this... Um back to you have all of this knowledge all of this life experience all of this training Mm. so if you were to be able to to have a magical power and talk to grade 12 zippy yeah so zippy in grade 12 right now going through this what advice would you give yourself looking back and talking to yourself well first of all i would say continue with the fashion that you're wearing because you look amazing um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of neon was happening for me in that time. So that's the first thing I would do. Um, coming back, man. It is. I wish it. I'd kept the things I'd kept oh, yeah. that I'd let go of. Oh, dear. Um, it's okay. There's somebody's picked them up in a, in a secondhand shop. <laughs> totally. People are looking great. People are looking great. Um, what would I say? This is a great question. Um, I think I was really uh, concerned about doing everything right. Um, I think I was very concerned about doing things the proper way and being responsible and, you know, all this kind of thing. Um, so I was quite rigid in, in my way of thinking, um, which actually caused a lot of anxiety because if things didn't go exactly the way that I had perceived were the right way, um, that, that was quite a destabilizing experience. Um, so I think I would uh, probably reach back and tell Zippy, I don't know if she would listen. Um, she was very stubborn. But I would tell her um, that, that, you know, be gentle with yourself. Um, the right thing is, is whatever feels okay and sustainable at the time. And goals change and, and you know, ways of going on that journey change. Um, so just be open to whatever is going to happen um, because it's going to be beautiful. I love it. And, and what would you tell Zippy's parents who were dealing with stubborn Zippy, um, who, who liked to have everything a certain yeah. way? What would you tell, what would you tell your parents? Uh, first of all, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome for having such a fabulous daughter. She's amazing. Good job. Um, yeah. Um, I would, I would say be present with those hard feelings, validate those hard feelings. Um, I think sometimes we have this chronic need to make our significant others or our kids or the people we love uh, feel better. Um, but, but by not sitting in those feelings, you know, we don't want people to, you know, um, just ruminate in the feelings, um, but by always wanting to switch it to a more positive or productive quote unquote feeling um, can just kind of make that feeling stay longer. So rather than asking them to say, okay, well, you feel this way, what can you do about it? Um, validating that feeling and saying, this is really hard. You, we're going through a really hard time right now and it's hard to know what to do next. And just being present with that feeling without trying to change it can be a really 
um, calming and powerful experience for that person to recognize that, oh my gosh, someone gets it. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. You know, I'm not alone. I'm not, sometimes we have this feeling of, I don't have a right to my feelings or, uh, you know, I'm crazy or whatever it happens to be. I shouldn't be feeling this way. So just saying to parents, it's a, not a personal thing <laughs> that your kids are feeling this way. Um, and just be gentle and let them feel those feelings sometimes maybe help encourage them um, to follow those things that make them curious and make them have these feelings of being capable. Uh, but knowing that these feelings cannot be changed, try as we might, um, until they are ready to be changed. It's so interesting. As I was listening to your answer, I was thinking about what I would go back and tell my grade 12 self. Mm-hmm. And my initial like gut feeling was to tell my grade because I was very um, driven, I guess you mm-hmm. could you could call it. Uh, mm-hmm. So probably not unlike yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But my initial reaction is to tell myself, don't worry about the future. But as I was thinking that and thinking how grade 12 Michelle would, would react to that, mm-hmm. I would be angry if somebody was telling me to not worry about the future. Yeah. Um, even though as it, with my adult brain, I know the future is unpredictable and uncertain. So why are you planning for something that you can't predict? And, and in mm-hmm. my brain, that makes sense grade 12 Michelle would be so upset (laughs) if somebody was telling me not to feel a certain way and don't worry about that. Um, and, and, and that really shifted for me as I was listening to you, because I was thinking about what I would tell myself and Hmm. that would not make grade 12 Michelle feel really great. Yeah. So it, it would be so much nicer for, that having that a similar message being shared with me, but just saying, none of us know what the future is going to look like. And mm-hmm. I understand that you are worried mm-hmm. about the, that uncertainty. Yeah. That would make grade 12 Michelle feel so much better. Um, <laughs> and, and just, just allow me mm-hmm. to feel that way. And, and I should be taking that advice right now myself. I'm telling, I'm telling 37 year old <laughs> Michelle the same thing. Don't worry about the future. That doesn't feel good. Um, but exactly. It's, but it's okay to worry about the future and, and the future is uncertain. And, and that is a feeling you are having right now. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. What you just said of right now when we say you should be feeling this way even when we say it to ourselves um we send ourselves the message of what you're feeling is not correct it's not right it's wrong um and the annoying things about feelings is uh they don't listen to logic so we can't logic them away of you should or you shouldn't um but we can build in ourselves a feeling of guilt about those feelings or a feeling of shame about feeling those feelings and and we don't want that Um, Because when we feel ashamed of feelings, we push them away. Uh, And when we push those feelings away, there's lots of amazing studies that show, um, you know, that is a trauma, you know, pushing feelings away and being afraid of them. And they manifest physically somehow, you know? So we we can't actually avoid them, try as we might. Um, They're there and they're present. Um, And so I just even kind of say to parents, you know, how the... How, how does it feel when you're saying to your partner or a friend, this is how I'm feeling, and they say, well, just think of the positive. Someone else has it way worse than you. Do you feel seen in that? Do you all of a sudden go, yeah, you're right. I should be thinking. No. We ne- <laughs> no, we go like, oh, that person doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Or we go, wow, I feel really ignored. Or we think, 
oh, I'm so wrong in feeling this. Oh my goodness. Nothing positive comes out trying to tell people how they should feel, how they should grieve. Um, you know, some people are doing really well right now. And then, you know, and so some folks are saying, well, they should be grieving. They're not, they're ignoring their feelings. They're da, 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 da. We don't know how other people grieve. Maybe they're grieving in a completely different way than us. So we can't change someone else's feeling, but we can validate it. And maybe you can give some language mm. that people could use to validate other people's feelings because you do this for a living. Mm-hmm. So you can say it probably in 12 different ways. Mm. Um, and so maybe you could give us two things. The first thing being what is some language to avoid? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we actually, we actually just kind of touched on that a little bit. So, so mm-hmm. seeing the shoulds and, um, mm-hmm. and shoulds and shouldn'ts, let's avoid yes. those. Yes. Um, but what are some things that we could replace that with? Because we want to help other people. Mm-hmm. What is the more constructive way to, um, acknowledge those feelings? What are the specific words that people can uh, Sure. Well, rather than, than giving canned phrases, because then we feel stressed to memorize them, especially the people like you and me who are perfectionists. Um, so let's, let's not give canned phrases because then people feel like those are the phrases to go to. Um, I usually like to give a concept or, a, or, or just this, this idea of, of a structure, let's say. Um, and it should be reflective of the other person rather than reflective of myself. So I shouldn't be trying to reflect to others my feelings because that's me trying to change it. I should be reflecting back their feelings. So a kid or an adult is feeling really overwhelmed and they just say, this just feels like it's going to last forever. Rather than saying it won't last forever, because we don't know. Saying this, feel, this is so hard right now. This feels like it's gonna last forever. You're just mirroring back exactly what they've said to you. So the subliminal messaging that they're getting is, I get it. I see you and I understand. And that is a really powerful experience for someone to have their own feelings reflected back to them. You're so angry right now. This, this makes us everybody so angry. This is so hard. And just validating that this is a really hard experience can be a really holding, containing, powerful feeling to know that there's someone in the world or in my household that understands that this is hard. And what about that innate feeling we have to say, I feel that too? Mm -hmm. Is that a reassuring thing to add in these conversations? Or do we just need to hold space for them to have their own feelings? Um, I think that's a fabulous question. I think um, we can sprinkle ourselves into those conversations for sure. but we have to be aware of, is it turning into me talking about myself? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it me validating this person's experience? Because it can be hugely validating um, to, to just feel overwhelmed, finally express to someone, oh my goodness, I'm being swept away by these feelings. And to have someone else say, yeah, man, me too. Whoa, that's huge. For someone to say, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> it's not just me. It's not, I'm not just being crazy. But rather, you know, we want to avoid, yeah, me too, because da, 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 and then I turn it into being about me. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between reflecting back and connecting and saying, yeah, I feel overwhelmed and carried away too. And then maybe that person will open up the door and say, well, what are you feeling overwhelmed and carried away by? 
then this discussion can happen and then it can be this two-way street. Um, but if it's just in this moment where you're trying to support a person, just a simple reflection and yeah, man, I'm feeling like that too. Even just that and holding silence can be really nice. And just being okay with those gross, sticky feelings that are kind of around. That is something that people are going to be a little bit uncomfortable with at first. Yeah. yeah. Because silence is is awkward for a lot of people. And we, mm-hmm. we constantly try to fill silence. And mm-hmm. um, that is something that we're going to need to be a little bit more okay with as we're in such yeah. close quarters with mm-hmm. our families or whoever we're living with. Mm-hmm. And um, silence is, is maybe sometimes something you're going to be hoping for because it can yeah. be noisy with a lot of people. Um, yes. But, but, uh, but silence is often a very positive thing in yeah. conversations where you can just be with somebody else with no need to um, interject and, and to fill, fill that silence with, with yeah. something. With advice. Because often, often I find that it's advice that fills the conversation yeah. fills the silences where, especially parents, because I mean, oh my goodness, parents are under so much immense pressure to make this person be okay in this world. And now this whole thing has happened and they're like, oh my gosh, now how to make this person be okay in this world. Um, but sometimes just being okay in this world is this idea of being okay in yourself. And the first step to being okay in yourself is to feel the hard stuff. And I wonder if we could kind of sum up this conversation, talking Mm -hmm. a little bit about how this experience is going to build or could potentially build resiliency. Mm -hmm. Because this is a a term that we hear all the time in the news. This is something Mm -hmm. that employers are looking for. This is what Mm -hmm. the mental health profession is trying to help build. Mm -hmm. Um, So so what is the positive takeaway when it comes to to the term resiliency and the concept of resiliency through uh, a global pandemic? Ooh, great question. In, in this time, I mean, it will create a lot of moments of, of being able to be reflective and be able to move slowly. Uh, and by moving slowly, we can actually feel our feelings uh, sometimes, which is why our um, bodies are actually slowing us down and we're fatigued and we're tired um, is because we're processing and processing things makes us move slower. Um, and so that's actually a pretty, I don't want to say positive, but that, that's a, a, a healthy thing. Um, to be able to slow down and process things and acknowledge things. Um, And in order to build resilience in ourselves, the first thing we need to do is recognize what we need. Um, And to be able to recognize what we need, you know, maybe that could be, I need to do laundry today. (laughs) Okay, that's going to feel good. I'm going to feel good once I do that laundry, or I'm going to feel good once I have a shower. And that's been me taking control of a situation and doing those little things that I know I need, or I know that my family needs. Um, So I think resiliency can really come in those small moments of recognizing what do I need? What do the people around me need? How can I achieve that um, in a small way? Cooking supper to show people I care about them, um, allowing them space to to practice the recorder or something like this. (laughs) You know, allow them to do those things that they need to do and allow me to do the things that I need to do. Um, cause I think a lot of the time we, we, we have our to-do lists that are so long that we don't actually check in of like, what do I actually need right now? This idea of being able to connect, um, and, and to be aware of what we mm-hmm. actually need versus the things that need to be done. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because there's, there's two different lists there. <laughs> what yes. do I need? And what are the things I need to make sure that everybody in this house is living, has good hygiene? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that, that the mechanical part of who we are can keep running. But then what is that human part of things mm-hmm. that I need in order to feel okay, in order to be able to um, make sure that, that I am feeling okay with where I'm at right now. Yeah. And, and those things I think also comes into this idea of not being the super person. Um, Today I need to just be in my pajamas and make a fort and read a book. Great. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe today I just, I can't cook. I'm just going to pull something out of the freezer and warm it up. Great. Do that. Um, You know, really following what is it that we need today? And that doesn't mean that it's going to be every day. So a lot of the time we feel like a failure if my goal, but the goal I set for myself during this pandemic was to cook because I love cooking and cooking makes me feel creative and okay. Well, maybe on this Tuesday, it doesn't make you feel creative and okay. Maybe you need to cocoon today and kind of being gentle and knowing that taking a time away from that creative thing that makes you feel good is actually an okay thing as well. Perfect. Well, Zips, uh, this has been so incredibly valuable and such a such a great resource you are for everyone out there. And I know you're creating lots of new resources that mm-hmm. are available to the public. So if folks wanted to follow along with you, get some more support, where can they find you? Uh, so I do have a website and it's creativeartstherapy.ca. Um, so creative arts with an S on the end and then therapy. Um, and I've got all my resources there and folks can reach out to me. I am doing um, online stuff as well um, in terms of, uh, well, I mean, you know, we, we don't, we're not doing any in-person things presently. So I am doing online sessions. Uh, so if folks need to reach out, they're, they're so welcome to do that. They can find me on there. Uh, yeah. And there's resources that parents can follow along with in terms of um, creating schedules in their lives, some different um, fun activities that they can do with little kids and big kids or just themselves. Um, yeah. And if folks have like questions or things like this, they can also uh, just shoot me some questions and I can either make some videos about it or create resources. So I'm, I'm happy to help out in any way that I can. That's amazing. Thank you for your generosity and thank you for bringing your expertise uh, to the table today and for for sharing some strategies that families can use in this very unprecedented, confusing, emotionally turbulent uh, time. Yes. I hope that uh, people find moments to be gentle with themselves and those around them uh, and find moments to be creative and capable. I hope you found this episode helpful. I know that there's so much going on for you right now and gap years might not be the top of your priority list. So I'm hoping that this content was something that you can put into uh, action right away with your family and just hang in there. We're all working through this new uncharted territory together. So until next time, keep on adventuring. (laughs) 